This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Insulet, makers of the Omnipod, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. You're in for a treat here in episode 55 of the Juice Box Podcast. We are going to be speaking with, for one solid hour, the Senior Vice President of Research and Development for your favorite continuous glucose monitoring company, Dexcom. That's right, we've got Jake Leach on the program today. Jake is going to spill the beans. He's going to answer your questions. He's going to tell you what's coming now, what's coming later, what they got hope for. Honestly, I think he said too much. All right, listen, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. After this little bit of music, little dun dun dun, dun 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 I'm very musical, as you can tell. After this music, I'm going to run down the topics we're going to talk about. That way you can get all amped up for the podcast. All right. I don't know what you're doing right now. You're the laundry, you're at the grocery store, you're trying to avoid your kids with those headphones on. Maybe you're driving in your car. One way or the other, I'm happy you're here. Let's do this, shall we? You guys ready? Jake Leach, Senior Vice President of Research and Development at Dexcom. Jake. Jake, hey, it's Scott Benner. Oh, hey, Scott. How you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Great. Before we start, i got to ask you the quickest question. Uh, three times now, somebody's asked me who's going to be on the podcast next week, and I say Jack Reacher each time. Now, <laughs> does that ever happen to you by any chance? No, no, no. No, it hasn't. You're not secretly an action hero? No, no. No, not at all. I, I, I wish, but... Okay, ready? I'm going to give you all the topics that we talk about today really, really fast. One, two, three, go. Is the G4 going to be phased out? What about Canada? Can we make insulin dosing decisions anytime soon? Are you going to have third-party software developers? What about the transmitter size? The sensor probe? How about this Bluetooth distance? Android. Gap fills in information. Are you ever going to let me watch it on a browser? What about the Apple Watch? Rate of change? What about rate of change? Oh my gosh, predictive data. Are you going to put that in the next generation? How are you making visualization better for us so that, you know, the app works better and it's easier to use? Mobile experience? You mean you have a design group for that? Feedback to the followers. Feedback to the followers? You mean like my kid might be able to say, hey, I saw that my blood sugar is high soon and then the parent following will know? G5 battery shut down. Is it real? Does it happen? Why does it happen? Did you see Tracy Morgan wearing the G5 on the late night show with Seth Meyers? What about T2 people using Dexcom? How about the Clarity app? What about feature updates? Are you putting back the ones you took out? Big deep breath, hold on, here's a little more. Please describe your R&D process. G5 mobile lock screen. How do FDA submissions happen? Please tell me, Santa. Next big thing, what's coming? Ready? App customization, you gonna let me have it? Are you? Are you gonna let me have it? And here are, I think, two of the biggest topics we talked about today, stuff you are gonna love. It's got specifically to do with adhesives and people who are sensitive to them. And I'm going to call the next big thing. I can't talk. I confused myself by all that fast talking. The next big thing for Dexcom is an applicator. So no more, you know, pushy on the plunger, pull up on the thing. You're going to have a little, a little doohickey, a doodad, a device. It sticks on. You push a button. Did you hear that? It goes right in like that. And when's that going to be ready? When are they hoping to have that out into the world? Very, very, very soon. I am telling you there is going to be so much in this episode, you might need to like a pen and a paper just to keep track of it all. Oh, and by the way, 
uh, bonus for some of you who like it and not so much for others who probably don't, but Basil snores a lot during this one. I've done my best to edit it out. It's not, you know, it's, I mean, what am I going to do? It's a cute little dog named Basil. I got to kick him out of the room for a diabetes podcast. This is his people. This is his place. Just, just to kind of get a feel for you, how did you uh, get involved at Dexcom? Uh, actually, I was um, working at uh, Medtronic at the time. I worked for Minimed uh, and then had went through the Medtronic acquisition. My responsibilities at Minimed were uh, I worked on both the pump side and the uh, PGM side. And I was called by a former colleague said, uh, we've got this little startup down in San Diego, 2004, and said, uh, come on down here. Let's uh, make a, a CGM. So that's, uh, that's what I did. Good for Came you. Came down and uh, it's been loving it ever since. Excellent. Good for you. Um, so I guess being the, I mean, if you're the senior VP of research and development, how dirty are your hands or are you overseeing things or are you, or are you kind of the guy who points and says, go do this, come back and tell me how it went? You know, it's actually, it's a little bit of both. I, uh, you know, I'm an engineer, uh, by, by training. So I, I an electrical engineer with uh, a lot of work in biomedical engineering. So I do get uh, my hands uh, pretty dirty on some of the advanced technology. Um, I've uh, led many of our technology projects over the years, mm-hmm. um, but I also do a lot of uh, people management. We have a, a large R&D organization that works on diverse technology. If you think about it, we're working on things like materials for our membranes, for the sensor probes, all the way through the systems that deliver the sensor under the skin. Um, and if you just keep going, you've got uh, electronics that measure sensors, apps, uh, server infrastructure to support our share system. So we develop uh, pretty much entirely in-house. We have staff that do all of that work. We do have partners uh, that help us, engineering firms and design firms. Need, but uh, the bulk of Dexcom technology is developed in the walls of Dex. Okay. I, and I think you can feel that when you're using it, actually. Um, it feels, you know what I mean? It feels, it feels personal, I guess, the way it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's excellent. So I kind of, I just sort of want to break down our conversation into now, soon, and future, if that if that works for you. Um, so very recently, and I don't even want to lead you. I kind of want to see where your brain takes you. But but very recently, you guys dumped a lot of news into the world, kind of all at once, and it all felt it all felt to me like we were take we were about to take a leap forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was wondering if that's how you say it. We, uh, yeah, I think uh, the way I see it is we're always um, working on new technology, and uh, there's two things that basically dictate when we're able to really push new products uh, out to market, um, and it comes from uh, regulatory review timing. So, I, you know, everyone always asks me, when's the next product coming? And I can always say, uh, I'm not exactly sure because, uh, you know, the FDA uh, takes the appropriate amount of time that they need to review things. but um, Sometimes they're able to do things quickly. Sometimes it takes a little longer. But that, that kind of dictates when we get products out. And then the other uh, large component of that is just how long uh, a particular technology takes to prove um, that it's feasible. We, we very much try to develop the technology to the point where when we know it's going to work and we know it's going to be reliable, uh, we try and get it out to patients as fast as possible. So if you kind of look at our, um, uh, our product launches, uh, sometimes we'll do a whole bunch real quick and then sometimes it'll take us a little bit longer. Uh, depending on what we're working on. Um, so that's the news on the, on the product front. But as an example, so just very recently to the, the G5 mobile app added uh, lock screen, which is amazing. 
I don't know. I can't imagine if. Do you have type one? I'm sorry. You know, I don't. Uh, I, I don't have type one, and I actually don't have diabetes in my family. But having been in this industry for 20 years, I've I've met a lot of great people, and I have uh, many friends who are affected with diabetes. Yeah, and so swiping down on the lock screen and seeing the number is amazing. Um, and so I'm using those. That is an example in the fact that the watch now works. Um, you know with the G5. The Apple Watch works with the G5 uh, separate of, so you don't have to follow yourself on your phone to get your Apple Watch to work. Those two little things, like, they had to go through the FDA, right? Yeah, yeah, actually, uh, it's a great point. The, um, when we submitted G5, we knew the Apple Watch was coming when we initially, initially submitted the first G5, but right. it, um, we didn't have watches yet. Apple didn't have any prototypes available for us to use, so we basically had to submit G5 without that support. Mm. And it was painful for us to launch it without the support because by the time we launched G5, everyone had their watches. But we were already in the background as soon as the watch came out making G5 compatible with it. And so uh, we wanted to get that out as fast as we could. And obviously, customers wanted it. Everybody was asking for it. Um, and so we got it out as fast as we could. Same with the Today View widget. Um, that uh, we... When we launched, we knew we wanted to have that in there, um, but from a time frame perspective, it didn't make it. But uh, in the first version, uh, but in this next, this one we just released, um, it was a lot of feedback from customers saying, "Hey, we really want this. Uh, you know, I don't have to unlock, go through all the steps to unlock my phone to see my glucose." Yeah. So it's a nice, easy, discreet, uh, quick way to get glucose at a glance. That really important information quickly. But when you have an idea like that, like, "Hey, let's add it to the lock screen." Is that a separate filing to the FDA? Do you have to go back and say, we're thinking of letting people swipe down and, and then it has to go through a process? Is it like everything else? Yeah, usually usually uh, almost every new feature, you at least have to discuss it with the FDA to try and determine what type of review uh, and what information they're going to want to see. Um, we like to do that ahead of time. So that it, it, I think, helps speed things up on the back end if we know what they're looking for. Um, we bundle things. Like in that example, uh, we the most recent G5, we bundled the watch and and the Today View at the same time. Sometimes we're going to be doing that. In the future, sometimes we'll just have a new app that has one feature. Um, it just depends on the cadence of, of the features we have ready to implement and what how the FDA views them. So then for somebody like me who saw that on my daughter's phone and then a media said, why did that not happen as an update to the follow app? Because I would love that on my phone. Is there is there like a reason? Is it not something you guys considered, or is it happening, or it takes longer, or, or because it's a different app? Is it a different filing? Yeah, it's a different filing. It's a different app, um, and it's one of those things for us. We have the mention we we do most of our development in house, so we have a particular team. And we just basically prioritize uh, the features uh, based on what customers are asking us for, mm -hmm. and so we um, you know we're always trying to um, add those new features and. Um, they will continue to roll out, but yeah, different apps are different filings and uh, different review uh, at the FDA. Okay. Um, so what's, I know they're going to ask questions, you're going to be like, I can't say sometimes, but what's the next thing we should be expecting to happen? So the next big thing on the product front uh, for Dexcom is uh, we're, we're working to, for, to launch a new applicator system and a new receiver device by uh, the end of this year. Um, that's going to depend on how long the FDA takes to review uh, both of those products, but we're working very hard, and we, we feel it's a good, we have a very high probability of being able to do that. So the applicator system, it's a new automated insertion device, so it's still a disposable like uh, Dexcom customers are used to. That's not a reusable 
inserter, but the, the big advancement is the inserter is automated. It's a single uh, button press. You press the button, and it delivers the sensor uh, and then releases the, the small sensor base um, that's uh, on the patient's body. So um, very quick uh, experience. Uh, folks who've participated in all of our clinical trials, we've run lots of studies with this device. Uh, they really like it because it's uh, very easy to use, very straightforward, simple. Uh, and because the insertion happens so quickly, um, patients tend to say that uh, it doesn't uh, doesn't really hurt at all. So when you're when you're researching with with focus groups and things like that, it's my finding that the worst part of putting on your Dexcom sensor or you know putting on a pump or on a child or something like that is, I think there's anxiety that comes from the anticipation. I don't think the act is nearly as bad as thinking about it. Um, and so is that your finding too? Like when people can't see it coming, when they don't have time to consider it, is it a little more like, Oh, I just got pinched and it's over or like, like, I guess I can't picture the inserter at, at the moment yet, but in my mind, like, is it like covering the guts in a way that it's, you know what I mean? Like, am I just holding like an egg device on you and then pushing a button and it's over? Yeah. Yeah. It's got actually, it's a good, that's a good description. Um, yeah, the the current device can be intimidating, especially if you're not, um, you know, a seasoned uh, user of it. Uh, when you first see it, you know, it looks like a large injector, and it has a number of steps, right? And you have to do the steps in order, and you have to get them right. So I find when I when I talk to you, potential users or uh, fairly new users of the product, they always kind of they they watch a few videos, they watch our tutorials, they look at the instructions, and they really are, um, you know, a, a little bit apprehensive about it. Um, the new device, it's shaped like an egg. You don't see the insides, and it is just a orange button. You press the button, and the sensor gets deployed. Um, so it's uh, much simpler, less steps. So um, there's not as much to think about, uh, and so it's easier for um, new users and uh, users who've been using the product for a while. So I'm assuming, though, that you have to adhere something on before you push the button? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You uh, basically peel the adhesive liner off. Uh, we actually, on that too, we did a, did work to make the adhesive easier to pull off. Mm -hmm. um, the little tabs uh, that are they're a little bit larger, so you can grab onto them larger than what we have on the G4, G5 sensor. So yeah, you peel those off, stick it on, and then press the. Okay, so I'm I'm a little surprised as an engineer you didn't consider going with the Spider-Man web shooter situation, which I think would have been a lot easier. I don't know why you're not putting more effort into that. Um, <laughs> I wish I could make that work. <laughs> so okay, so you know, might seem a little kinetic to you, but I went online and I said that you know I'm going to have the you know the VP of uh, of research and development. I'm like, do you have questions? And I always expect that people are going to ask more questions based on what your, you know, what your background is at the company. Um, and so, and, but I do, I get accustomed to having to go through them a little bit and go, all right, well, this isn't for him. This isn't for him. But, but a lot of people, and I do think that you mentioned it in the beginning, I guess this falls kind of under your, your umbrella. What's the research like for the adhesive? So my daughter has no issue with the adhesive in my world. I don't want you to change. I think it's perfect. Um, but there are a lot of people who can't use the product or struggle with it or use 19 different barriers to try to use it, um, which I think is an indication of how valuable it is because, you know, if, if I stuck something to my skin that gave me a rash, I would never do it again. But it, it, th that they keep doing it is just an indication of how valuable the Dexcom is. But as I think about the question, I keep thinking it must be working for most people where you wouldn't be selling any of them. So how do you how do you address something like that when it's, you know, whatever the percentage is, you know, I'm putting it on 10 people and nine of them are having trouble. Like, how do you make adjustments at that point? It, it seems 
It seems impossible to me, but I'm not an engineer, so that's why I'm asking you. You know, Scott, it's a really good question because um, the adhesive, you know, it does work for, for most patients and, and they're very happy with it. But um, what, you know, as we work on sensors that uh, go longer uh, than the seven days, you know, it's one of the things we're focused on is making sensors last as long as possible. A large component of doing that is the adhesive. So we've been doing a lot of research on adhesive. And what we're kind of getting down to is because there's so much variability on um, different people's skin, uh, just there, you know, there's different physiologies. Um, we are going to end up needing different options for people, and so we are going to, with our next generations, provide multiple different options uh, for folks uh, to use. I mean, some some people uh, don't need to use any, uh, you know, uh, they can use the current adhesive, um, but uh, you know, future versions are going to need different types. Um, you know, we're going as far as to even talk about uh, different part numbers uh, if you want. Uh, device that's um, you know, stronger adhesive uh, because it falls off or um, you know, different type of adhesive so that those who have allergies to the one to our current uh, adhesive, they could use uh, a different type. So yeah, it's definitely uh, something we're focused on because it is a really important part of the system, right? It's the main component that's adhering the the rest of it's not important if that doesn't work, right? So, so the sensor's fantastic. I can't use it, but I've heard. But so, okay, so that's really interesting to think of it on a retail level. You're like you're thinking of having different SKUs, like hypoallergenic, long lasting, uh, like yeah. that kind of feeling, like for sensitive skin, like that kind of idea. Yeah, that's right. I think we're going to have to go there because um, it, there isn't one adhesive that uh, is going to fit all customers' needs. Wow, that's fantastic. And a lot of people that are going to hear this are going to be really thrilled about that because it is, you know, it, it, it's almost like when you look when you look at people ask the question, like, what about the adhesive? I have trouble with the adhesive. It's almost like they're saying, I know there's oxygen on the other side of this wall. Why won't like, why won't you let me have it? You, you, you know, like it, it really is. It's something else. Um, okay. Um, how much are you involved in? I don't know how much I can say about this. Like, I feel like I'm in a study with somebody who's working on software for you, and I can't think if I signed anything like that I wouldn't talk about it. I can't really tell at the moment. In my head, I can't remember. Um, but I know for me, the way that I get alarms, being a caregiver, is, is very important. So, like, the Dexcom is great, and then it stops being great for me up to a point. For instance, if I'm, you know, at you know, I'm away from my daughter, or I'm in my bedroom and she's asleep or whatever, and I'm getting a number and I feel like I can trust it. What I don't know is on, because I'm a follower, is it on the other side that her, her, her app is telling her she needs to be calibrated, but I don't see that mm -hmm. is, is it, it stops me from trusting the number I'm getting back as much, I guess is, is like one of those situations. And, and most times I have to tell you, most times when I calibrate, it's right there. It just seems to be uh, part of the system like it's time to calibrate so it has to calibrate but sometimes it has to calibrate when it's confused and it doesn't know what's going on so i can't tell it so are are things like that in the pipeline for soon like am i going to be able to customize the app more like i would like to be able to set you know snoozes to eight minutes if i want to like like that kind of stuff is customization is it in your thoughts Absolutely, yeah. We um, we are actually working on new versions of Follow that give um, the uh, follower more information. Um, there's lots of things that could be um, useful for uh, for followers to see other than just glucose. Um, one, one good example is when when there's a no data alert. Um, a lot of people will ask, "Well, why am I not getting any data?" And so that 
could potentially cause a phone call or some sort of extra communication to go determine why the follower is not getting data. So if we could just provide a reason uh, to that follower, that, that could uh, make things a lot easier for folks. Uh, also, yeah, alerts. We're always looking at alerts, how to make them more intelligent, how to make them better for both uh, the user and the followers. So we, are, we do, are doing lots of work there. The exciting thing about integration of our device with the, the mobile platforms, the G5 and the Follow app, is we can iterate that uh, a little more quickly than we can iterate things like receivers, um, just because of the, the way the software development works on those. those. So it's exciting that we can offer those features and roll them out, just like we did the, the Today View and the Watch. Um, so keep an eye out. There's going to be more more stuff rolling out next uh, period. Yeah, my, my my idea when if I was talking to somebody in sort of a thing, not that I'm saying I was, but the, the one thing I, I really tried to focus on when I was talking was that, you know, and I, 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 did for, I didn't use this as an example then, but I have it now. If you've seen like the new Photoshop elements, for example, you open up that app and at the top, there's three choices like beginning, intermediate and advanced. And you click on that, wh whichever one of those things you click on, you, you get a different experience with the app. And I think that when when some people initially get a Dexcom, it's like an it's an alarm for them. It's a oh I, I don't want to get too low alarm. They don't even a lot of people don't even think about the high side of, of their blood sugar at first. They just they think, oh, this is a great tool for me not to pass out, that kind of idea. And then as you get to use it more, you see how you can use the data that you're getting back to manipulate your blood sugar better and to you know make better decisions about when to add insulin and food and things like that. That all comes around. And, and I was wondering, like, because sometimes I think what happens is this is going to be an overused um, example on my podcast. But, you know, there, there's a, a street up, you know, there's a street on my in my town and there's a curve in it. It says 25 miles an hour and everybody has to go through 25 miles an hour, except some people have cars that could go through that curve at 70 if they wanted it to. But we, you know, we dumb down the situation for the for it's a least common denominator kind of a thing. Like, well, if somebody's got a car that would roll off the road here. We can't let any, we can't let that happen to people. And I think that healthcare falls into that kind of space a lot. You know, there are people who could be using your, your device to make really amazing decisions for themselves, but because it might seem confusing to someone else, we leave it out. And I'm wondering why it can't be a customization. And, and, a, and a great example is this, and, and I, I wonder how much of this you find um, in, in the research that you do. I think that setting a high um, threshold too high allows that to feel okay. Like it's a very simple brain function. Like if I put that threshold line at 300, then at some point, even though I don't, I know I don't want my blood sugar to be at 300, as long as I'm under that line, it feels like I'm doing it right. And what I've come to learn is that no matter how far you push that line down, the tools that I use to keep a blood sugar stable at any space are the same. Like if you told me right now, I want you to get your daughter's blood sugar at 160 and keep it there. Like I could do that. You, you, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and the, and the steps I take to do that are really no different than the steps I take to keep her blood sugar at 90. Now it doesn't always go right. That's not the point. But the point is, is that you set this sort of expectation. It's a very childish idea, but like sometimes you do get what you expect. And so when you, expect for yourself that your blood sugar is not going to go over 150. You make decisions that stop that from happening. Um, but that is an advanced thought for somebody who's had diabetes for three months. And I think that's why the customization is so important. It is. 
you know, it's a, it's a great point. Um, when we, uh, for example, when we do human factors studies on, uh, you know, products that haven't been released yet, we're really trying to learn how people use them. We do study different groups of, of people. We, we study people who haven't used the CGM before, and it's like it's their first experience with CGM, uh, new, new to diabetes. Um, and then we, we also study uh, people who have experience in the current customer. Um, and kind of the balance we're always trying to strike is how do you meet the needs of all of those people? Um, and, you know, what features do does everybody want? You kind of combine that with, okay, what is the, um, you know, we want to get products regulatory process quickly. Um, and so uh, it's, it's always a balance, but I think as we progress and, and as our, you know, our, our patient uh, base, the number of people using our product is continuing to expand uh, and we're getting, you know, asked for lots of different uh, types of um, features. And so what we're trying to do is uh, evaluate those and determine what are the most important ones to cut in. But you will see things becoming uh, more advanced as our products mature and as we our apps mature. You know, we, we just got the G5 app out last end of last year, and um, we've got lots of exciting stuff we want to do with it. That is more than just showing you, uh, you know, a number and an arrow and communicating to you, uh, you know, to your followers. There, there's a lot more in the pipeline that I can't give all the specifics, but we're very excited about. Right. And so the tap on the phone twice if predictive data is one of those things. <laughs> because <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> because because that's one of those ideas that, and I, I mean, it's kind of like a, it's not a well kept, you know, it's obviously not a secret, and if it is, it's not a well kept one. But there's that there's a, you know, there's a a patient group that that's using the data coming out of the sensor, you know, with their own software, and that they are seeing that that you know this is where the sensor thinks you're going in the next fifteen minutes or so. And I'm assuming that that has to exist, you know, especially if you know, they're using your sensors in like artificial, you know, pancreas technology and things like that. Um, is that as an example, is that one of the things that when you say to yourself, we could show this to somebody and first, and Mike Menziger told me once, like first we'd have to make sure it was accurate before we could give it to people. And, and I, and I completely understand that, but let's say you've gotten to a point where you're comfortable saying that the predictive data is, is accurate enough to let somebody see. Is that one of those things where you say, well, this may be as detrimental to some people as it is helpful to others? Not that particular one. We do. We are um, uh, working on that um, for our next uh, you know, generation, actually, in G6. We've got um, the ability. What we're trying to do is give um, uh, patients who are blood glucose is changing rapidly, give them more time um, before their glucose gets really low. So if their threshold alert, um, if we kind of evaluate where their threshold alert is set, if they're dropping very quickly, uh, then we um, will notify them ahead of time uh, before their threshold alert would have notified them. That's that's an example of how we can use that predictive alert in a very simple and easy to use way for uh, basically all patients. Um, everybody wants to know when their glucose is dropping quickly. Um, you know, if, if it's dropping, going to be in a dangerous zone in your future. Yeah, I, it, actually, as we're talking. And just prior to, I don't know what you did before the podcast, but before I uh, got on here with you, I was making potato chips. <laughs> but uh, And I was watching my daughter's blood sugar at school fall consistently, but at a, at a diagonal down arrow. And I, I kept looking and I'm like, it's going to go too low but in a way that we can't pre-bolus for her lunch. And so I'm going to have to do something about it. Now, if she wasn't in class and she was 85 diagonal down, I may have said to her, why don't you test? Because maybe that's 100. Maybe we have 10 more minutes that I'm, you know, 
but but I didn't want to inter- interrupt her. So I said, look, just drink half of this juice box that you have with you, and let's restrict your basil a little bit and get you to and get you to the pre bolus for lunch. But about a half an hour after that, her blood sugar on the CGM was sitting at like sixty five, and it was steady. And I, in my heart, know that if I tested her blood sugar, it would have probably been more like eighty because it's it's probably in the it's probably coming back up in that moment. And if I had the ability to wait a little longer, I would have. If she was home, I would have waited. If we weren't pre-bolusing with the meal, I would have waited. But because because I couldn't, I can't pre-bolus her when she's 65, I told her to drink the rest of the juice box. And then right. sure enough, 10 minutes later, she's like 114, two up. And, I, and in my heart, I knew she didn't need the juice box. And at the same time, I couldn't take the risk because of the situation. In that specific situation, would the predictive data have stopped me from wanting the juice? Uh, potentially, I mean, yeah. it would have it would have told you um, it would it would have done a calculation based on the rate that it sees, um, because you know the arrows are they're not as precise as what we can calculate the the rate of changes, and so um, we could have given you know basically calculated when we thought um, she would have been uh, below sixty, and um, you know tried to give you as much notice as possible. So it may have uh, you know the difference may have been it would have alerted you to it. Um, if you hadn't been looking at it, it might have alerted you to it um, sooner, um, or uh, you know, brought your attention that that it is being, you know glucose is changing down rapidly. But um, I'm not sure in that instance exactly if it would have told you to not take the juice, but might have given me the indication that I could have waited a little longer. Yeah, yeah. How difficult is it to make the things you're talking about visual for people to use? Like, you, like obviously, the predictive data is more technical than just the arrow and you and you have to give it some sort of an, a visual thing the arrow is up it's down it's two up it's two down are you finding that as you're trying to give people more information it's difficult to make it visual because i think that i think that one of the biggest leaps here is that we're all like sort of a touchscreen society at this point everything is visual and which is why i think a lot of medical devices end up looking so clunky is because very well-meaning guys like yourself who may not be artists, you know, are putting together how we're seeing things. But, you know, I really feel like people like you need to sit down with people who design like, you know, games that look really cool and come up with a way to visually make things, I guess, aesthetically pleasing at the same time, simple and intuitive to use, but still giving me that kind of data. And is, is that a, that sounds like a struggle to me when I say it. You know, it's, uh, um, you're right that historically, um, you know, med devices haven't necessarily embraced uh, the best user interfaces. Um, one of the things we're trying to change, uh, you know, in the industry is this integration with mobile. Um, we, we have an entire user experience group, and it's not, you know, if you ask a medical device company, uh, a typical one, you know, do you have a user design group? They might say yes, but our group is folks that are not from the medical device industry. They're from consumer uh, markets and consumer products, and so they've come in and uh, you know G5 uh, and Air apps were some of the first stuff we did that I think uh, you know we're proud that they they don't look like a classic medical device. They look a little bit more like a you know what you'd experience uh, from a, a you know a commercial app, maybe a, a game of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're always uh, working on that. You you brought you you know one of the questions was you know is it challenging? And the, the answer is yeah, it's always challenging to make. The information usable. I mean, we, not everybody's a math whiz, and although with diabetes, there you know, type one, there's so many numbers involved. But not everybody's a math whiz, and not everybody wants to see a 
graph with a bunch of numbers and arrows on it. So we are uh, working on ways to convey the information, um, make it clear and easy to use, and ultimately make it you know actionable. You could, you could imagine a day when your app uh, gives you advice on what to do about your those kind. Yeah, and I know, and I know, I've talked to guys from Dexcom before. They are hoping that um, that that it goes in that direction. And I think at one point somebody even mentioned, you know. It telling you, hey, look, the last time you ate this, it didn't go well. You, you, you know, like like maybe you need more insulin than you thought you did, and that kind of thing. So, exactly. So, okay. So, talking about that, you know, so a question a lot of people asked, and it seems to it seems to very much be in people's minds: Does the G four get phased out at some point? Is the G four sensor going to get phased out? And how does Dexcom handle that in general? The idea of phasing out older products? We'll find out. Right after this very important word from our sponsor, Insulate. The grass is turning green, you know what that means? Summer's coming. It's bathing suit season, time to go for a swim. Summer sports have started, proms are coming up. You want an insulin pump with tubing running all over the place going crazy that you gotta disconnect and tuck into pouches and dresses and eh, seems like too much to me. Why not just get the world's only tubeless insulin pump, the Omnipod? Why not just go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo or click on the links in the show notes and get a free demo pod right now. I mean, it doesn't work like give you insulin, but it's a demo pod. You can stick it on. You can see how it fits. You can find where it will go on your body. You can make some decisions about whether this is the right product for you. I mean, I think it is, but you got to find out for yourself. Listen, there's absolutely no obligation. You go to this myomnipod.com forward slash demo. You throw in a couple things like your name and your address. Like I said, no obligation. The demo pod shows up at your house and then you decide. Maybe you're doing injections right now and you decide, you know what? I do want an insulin pump and this is fantastic. Maybe you're pumping already with a tubed pump and you think, I had no idea it could be this freeing and, you know, take all the craziness out of it. You don't have tubing running from, you know, I mean, with a regular insulin pump, you've got the unit in your pocket or clipped to your belt or something. And then there can be two or three feet of tubing running through your clothing and to your infusion site. That does not happen with the Omnipod. I'm telling you, the thing doesn't have any tubing. It's all self-contained. It's craziness. It's it's like, it's, it's the future. It's like a spaceship, but it's an insulin pump. Little thing, you stick it on, insulin goes in. Uh, it's wonderful. MyOmnipod.com forward slash demo. What are you waiting for? When we last heard from Scott and Jake, I know I'm Scott, just hang with me here. When we last heard from Scott and Jake, they were about to reveal whether or not Dexcom is going to phase out the G4 sensor. The next words you hear will be the answers to those and many other questions on the Juice Box podcast. Or are there plans? If you, the date's not important, but are there plans to phase out? Or are you going to hold on to multiple... Like I can't understand why you would, but I, maybe I don't understand all the aspects of it. Well, there's, uh, you know, uh, it's a good question. There's, um, you know, we have G5 in, in United States, we have G5 in, in markets outside the United States. Uh, some markets are still using G4. They're not actually on the G5 system yet. Um, but uh, we don't have any plans to phase out G4. I mean, we have our new applicator system is coming out. Um, so we expect that most patients are going to want to use that. But there's always, we have a nice, a long transition period generally between um, product uh, iterations because, uh, you know, if somebody's on a product for a while and, you know, depending on how they're um, paying for it, their reimbursement, you know, we don't want to leave them uh, where they have to do the upgrade. Um, so we're really um, kind of thoughtful about that. Um, but there aren't any plans to 
before until we really are sure that it's the right thing to do. So, so if, if, if a, a time in the future when the G4 gets phased out, if you're a person using it, realize you were one of the last few because you guys are going to stick with everybody who's using them. So it, what you said really brings a, something that, again, a lot of people ask about. And I know there's always this sort of convoluted answer about it, but um, Canadians really want to know when they're going to get a G5. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. So, um, yeah, it's at this point, uh, you know, the product development is done and it's all kind of on the regulatory side and they're working hard to, um, you know, uh, figure out how to get that product approved. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely um, important to get that, uh, get the G5 product to Canada. But it just sits in the, it's, there's a process up there and, it, and it's, it's in that process and it's going through it? There's, yeah, there's a process up there and it's very similar uh, to the FDA. Um, you know, one thing I think, uh, uh, not sure how, how well known it is, but uh, you're, it's in, in Europe, review cycles are generally a little shorter. Um, so, you know, we can get products out a little quicker. Um, and so a lot of times uh, new products are launched in Europe, um, but we, um, you know, in Canada, it's similar to the FDA review. So sometimes it takes a little while. So um, I'm not exactly where the status of that. It's really in our regulatory group, but um, it is. Uh, we do have a Canadian um, version of the product. Um, okay, so is in the G6 moving forward? Is dosing? That's a goal of yours, right? Like you want to be able to say that you want to be able to prove to the FDA that I can make insulin decisions based on my glucose sensor. Is that right? That's right. Okay, and. And the G6 is at the moment, we're not, are we slated to get that at any time that you feel like? Is it coming? Is it a next year thing? Is the question uh, G6 or is the question about um, uh, non-adjunctive use? I was trying to trick you into telling me when the G6 was coming out, Jack. No, 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 I just, I'm sorry. I was, I was on, I guess it's, let me, let me ask him one at a time. So first of all, um, G6, you know, being able to dose based on that, sensor technology that that is a goal for g6 and and i'm assuming it's not coming out until it can do that it would be i'm assuming that that's one of the main goals about it how does that happen like so from a from a from a development standpoint what do you have to change about the g5 to make it that much more accurate so it's really about um you know the key for us is uh mitigating any of the times when uh, the cgm is not accurate so and, you know, the vast majority of the time, it's extremely accurate. Um, but what we're working on right now is all the mitigations uh, that you need in the system to say, okay, this, uh, you know, th- this is not a time when you should use your CGM reading um, to, uh, you know, make a insulin therapy decision. So that's what it's about because we know, you know, CGM isn't perfect. Uh, it's really good. You know, our, our product's very accurate, but there are times when it isn't as accurate um, uh, as uh, people want it to be and need it to be. So. Um, that's really where the areas we're focused on. That very rare time where um, uh, it isn't uh, as accurate as uh, needed. Um, how do we convey that to? Okay, and so here, here that brings up an interesting question. It, if the G6 comes out and I upgrade to it, it tells me I can dose off of it. Have you wondered is that going to make it difficult for me to, to for me to talk my insurance company into believing that I need a meter and test strips also? No, 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 not at all. Um, the the it, it's it's meant to replace the meter and test strips, um, uh, you know, in, in many uh, instances. But it's still the G6 still needs a calibration, uh, one a day. Um, so that one of the, the new features of G6 is um, 
you don't have to calibrate it twice a day like G5. It's just once a day. So imagine wake up in the morning, take a finger stick, enter it in, you go. So uh, no, it, won't, it doesn't. Uh, you still need those, those finger sticks. So um, I don't see insurance companies. Just saying no. So okay. So what else is coming with G6? So being able to dose one calibration a day. Uh, does the size go back to the thinner one, uh, the transmitter? Actually, uh, that's a very good question. Um, one thing I'll point out is the new applicator system, uh, the G5 uh, applicator system uh, that's launched. We want to launch towards the end of the year. That is actually has a new uh, transmitter uh, that goes along with it. I forgot to mention this when we were talking about it. It actually uh, makes the part of the system that you're wearing, so the transmitter combined with the little sensor housing, mm-hmm. that is 50% smaller with the new system than G5. So it's much, and almost all of that is in the height, so it's much slimmer oh, excellent. Uh, than G5. And will the so G6 fall form? Get that with the new applicator system, and then G6 will be the same. Same form. Uh, that same really low-profile transmitter. I see. Um, the I don't know what to call it. The little wire that goes in. Do you have a word for it? Yeah, we call it the sensor probe or sensor filament. Very nice. So the sensor probe, because I don't want to say filament, um, is is I always imagine that that is is very big part of how how well the whole device works. That whatever that thing is doing in there, whatever it's made of, and whatever it's sensing, it, is that first of all, am I completely wrong, or if that's true and what is it like, and this is kind of away from diabetes for a second, but what is it like to put that much, I don't know, technology into something that's so simple and tiny? Yeah, it's a really good question. You are correct. Um, the, uh, the vast majority of the performance of the system uh, comes from the uh, sensor probe design, uh, the materials used in a way that made. Um, and then the other large component to performance is the algorithms those calculation algorithms that reside within the electronics. So they take that sensor signal generated by that sensor and actually turn it into a usable reading. So there's a lot of uh, work, technology, intellectual property, and just a ton of effort from a lot of engineers, scientists in both that sensor probe and those algorithms. Can I ask you, now that we're getting away from receivers, I know not everybody is, but a lot of people are. My daughter doesn't hasn't carried one since the G5 came out, I guess. Um, the distance uh, that the signal goes from the transmitter to the phone becomes more important because right now I'm in a I'm in a comfortable spot. I, I'm the father of an 11 year old girl, so her phone's just it's glued to her hand, so the, it doesn't matter. Your transmitter could have no power, and it would still work for us. But what about when? she sets it down and goes out on a softball field or, you know, like that kind of back in the day, I would have just jammed the receiver in her pocket or something like that. And we still would have been okay. Um, but almost by making some things more simplistic, I feel like you've added the need for more transmitter distance. Is that, is that in the works or do you not agree with me or? Well, I I think, uh, Bluetooth technology, um, that are in uh, all of our phones, um, it has a limited distance that it can communicate. So um, the transmitter uh, the, uh, patient that your daughter has on, on her body, that uh, is communicating with the phone, and the phone and the transmitter are talking back and forth. The distance that that phone uh, can communicate to that transmitter is limited. So it can't, uh, you know, we, we definitely can reliably meet 20 feet, but you don't, in all cases, get kind of the same distance for God. 
Um, but there's ways to um, you know mitigate that. Um, one of the, the features we're working on is um, an ability for the transmitter. You do go out of range and then go come back within range. The transmitter can communicate over all those readings. Um, the G5 transmitter is much more intelligent for um, the algorithms and, and all the calculations those are now residing in the electronics that are inside that transmitter. So we have the information in there. And so whenever it gets within range of uh, the phone, it can, it can communicate that out. So that's a, something we're actively working on. Yeah, because that's... For, for our future really. Well, that's good to hear because that's something that people bring up a lot. And uh -huh. at the same time, because of my specific situation, I have no real knowledge of. The idea of like coming back and, and having a gap in information or, or something like that. I have no... You know, the Dexcom to me is probably different than it is for a person like a, like a person with diabetes using it on their own, you know, has different needs from it than than a person who's acting as a caregiver does. You know, like I have I have different, you know, slightly added issues that that, you know, you wouldn't have as a person. Like yesterday is a great example. Artem made her softball team at school. And now for the first time, this isn't me taking her to a field. And having the ability to hang out and seeing that if, you know, if this, if the, you know, if we lose data for a little while, knowing, well, we lost data, but she was 130 and I feel like this is stable. So I don't mind sitting here for 15 minutes. Now she's leaving school at the end of the day, going outside with, you know, two, two well-meaning teachers in middle school and, and they're playing on a field. And when she loses data for 15 or 20 minutes, it's a different, it's a different situation. I'm not there to kind of cover it as quickly. Um, yeah. And and so and so even when she comes back into contact with it, the only real value it is to me is that the number pops back pops back up again, and I see okay things are going the way I expected they were. I don't really have anything to worry about here, um, but I'm you know not there suddenly if she doesn't feel well or doesn't think to say something when she doesn't feel well, which can happen sometimes. Um, you know when she kind of just toughs her way through it a little bit until she gets low enough where she's like, wow, I guess I'm in trouble. Um, it, it's a really difference, but at the same time, when I see people talk about it, Jake, they are very, it is, a, it's something that really bothers them. They, when I, I go out of contact and I come back and there, and the gap hasn't been filled in. So is this a G five enabled improvement or is it not something you'd see until the G five that's slimmer that will be coming at the end of the year with the inserter? It's a, um, we're working on it right now. So, um, it, it could come on the G five or it may end up, um, being, uh, you know, long with the, the new inserter, um, but uh, it's something that it's in the near term. Um, we will uh, make make an update to allow that. Um, you know, if, yeah, you can imagine if you leave your phone as a user, if you leave the phone, you know, in your kitchen, you go away for 30 minutes, you come back, you'd like to know what your rate of change is uh, on your glucose. Right. So it'd be helpful to see the trend graph. So yeah, it's, a, it's you know, it, it wasn't in the first release uh, because um, we wanted to get G5 out as fast as possible. Um, but we have a whole bunch of different features planned, for, you know, to continue to build on the G5. Some that we've we've uh, you know um, wanted to uh, implement. Some that customers have asked for. Uh, we generally prioritize the ones that customers are asking for. Yeah. Well, I guess that that's an indication of how it's being used, then, right? Yeah, that's exactly. And you know, G, we, we we're learning just as much as our our customers are about G5, and uh, you know how different people use it, and uh, how you know it's it's the first real integrated mobile CGM. So um, there's a ton, a ton of uh, learnings that we have. Um, we've taken a lot of that and put it into our new Android app. So we have a G5 Android app that um, we hope to launch by the end of this year. 
um, so that basically, you know, folks with Android phones can. Yeah, so, so you're very brave to bring that up. And, and <laughs> because it, at this time, like, I mean, I, I, I'm not an Android user, so it doesn't affect me as much. I would feel like if I was an Android user by now, I'd feel like it was never coming. Like, I know myself, I'd just be like, there's something they can't get right or figure out or it's not happening. But can you, in a broad way, talk about that for a second? Like, I know that's not on the, but what, I'm assuming you would have liked the Android app to come out on the same day as the iOS app, but it didn't because it couldn't. Can you talk about a couple of the hurdles that stop it from happening? Sure, sure. So uh, when, um, some of the initial hurdles were um, the main technology hurdle was the implementation of Bluetooth low energy. So that's the the special version of Bluetooth that, uh, like it's not special, but it's a, it's a more it's a newer version of Bluetooth. It's not the same type that uh, you know the um, headsets and um, you know, all the different things that connect up the cars, connect to the phones. They don't use low power Bluetooth. It was something that was implemented a number of years back. Apple embraced it faster than the Android community did. So the reason why um, our first release was on Apple was primarily because uh, they had adopted low-power uh, Bluetooth, and it was farther along in its implementation. It's still actually even in the Android phones. Um, every implementation is a little different uh, on Android phones, depending on who your manufacturer is. So um, we've been working through the details of how do you make the CGM work uh, well, you know, you want it to be reliable. You want that radio to work. It's one of the most critical parts of the system, getting the glucose information to the display. So um, basically, what's taken longer on Android is that's one piece. It is that making sure that the Bluetooth radios are reliable. Other uh, part of it is um, kind of a regulatory uh, view of it. So, you know, our first system, we launched on just Apple products with iOS uh, and particular versions of iOS. So it was a much smaller um, you know, controlled uh, environment. And I think the FDA was most comfortable. I mean, this is the first time they'd ever approved anything like this. So, you know, a class three app that's going to show people their CGM readings and they're not going to have to carry a receiver with them. So, you know, they were comfortable with iOS. Not to say that they're not comfortable with Android, but for us, it was a, um, you know, a more controlled uh, story to, to explain and go through all the details and mitigations on Apple. The Android app for G5. Uh, you know, the UI looks almost identical to the iOS. There's, um, you almost can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, uh, things do work a little differently. Um, the user won't notice, but, you know, the technologies are a little different. So um, we had to come up with different mitigations, you know, different ways to manage it. Uh, Android has many more um, versions and many more hardware configurations. Every cell phone has different radios, manufacturer chips, them. So we kind of have to go through each of those and make sure they work reliably. So that's what they, what's taking a little longer uh, on Android. In the future, our Android releases won't be you know won't be as large of a gap between the iOS version and the Android. There may you know be gaps in the future, but nothing uh, you know as large as this one. Uh, primarily because it's the first time we were doing it uh, with the radios on Android. Uh, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. It really does. Just the variability between the handsets and the and the hardware inside of it alone would make it seem a little insurmountable to me, actually. But um, I guess that's a real, I guess that's a real value add that Apple's make, you know, keeps everything very consistent in the phones. It is. It is. Yeah, it's uh, um, one of the um, pluses about that environment. And, you know, not every Android phone Bluetooth is going to work well, so that we are very focused on only launching the product on 
handsets that we know on phones that we know uh, are going to work reliably for the customers. Sure. The last thing we want is give them a phone that's not reliably talking to their, their transmitter. Well, it's a difficult situation to be in in a business situation to begin with because you have a product that's then reliable on another product and your side of it could be working 100% and the user's not going to care about that when they call you to complain. <laughs> you know, they're not going to call and say, hey, by the way, your phone, the, the phone I'm using doesn't have as much Bluetooth range as it should. And they're just going to say, I put your sensor on and I don't see the numbers on my phone. And you're right. Yeah, you're right. And right. I would be as frustrated as they are. Right. Exactly. And, and OK. So, OK. So um, I, I, here's a couple little things, I guess, that are kind of from the Dexcom and the cloud world that that people ask about a lot. And sometimes I don't see the need for it for me personally, but I can see where other people would need it. One of them that I feel like I might care about is tracking from a browser, um, like being able to see your kid's blood sugar on a on a on a browser on a computer. Do you guys ever think about adding that? We have. We, I mean, we've thought about it. I think, um, you know, we've heard customers ask for it, and we've we've thought about it. We we don't have um, a system in the works ourselves to do that, um, but we do have um, you know a number of different partners that uh, you know are talking about different um, you know that, that's potentially one of them uh, different ways to to display glucose, and so we've historically been um, you know very cooperative with partners and um, we have uh, you know a new data team in-house that we're building and we expect that you'll see more um, collaborations and and dexcom can't do everything yeah. for everybody so we're really uh, hoping that some of our partners can kind of fill in those those areas where the you know particular needs that we're maybe not meeting with dexcom software can be met with uh, Partner software. That's interesting. So, is there is so the possibility for like the kind of Dexcom approved third party applications is possible? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. See, now yeah, that's exciting. We're working on kind of frameworks for how to do that. All right. Um, so, the guy that we, asked we, this question, if he knows what he's doing, he should get to it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Excellent. That's, right. Oh, that's cool. Um, uh, the ability for a person who I'm following to indicate on their end that they're aware that they've been alarmed. <laughs> that that is uh, high on the list of things to do in the next version of Follow. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, you know, the, the Follow system we we launched is, you know, it's uh it's very helpful. Uh, it's simple, uh, and so we we do have uh, plans to uh, add features like that. Well, you've got plenty of white space in the app, so there's. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's right. That's a that's a that's an aesthetics dig. Even I, who don't really, I really don't pay a whole lot of attention to that. I even open that app and I'm like, my God, there's a lot of screen that's not doing anything there. And, uh, and so, um, and at the same time I get, you know, I get why to some degree or another, you know, but it's still, it, it's something that I'm glad to hear you're addressing and, and, and moving forward with it. And it's, it, you know what too, and I, I'm going to sound like an apologist for a second, but you're the first one out the gate. Like it really is. You know, when I stop and think back to the first iPhone I bought, for an example, I was so excited to get my iPhone because I thought to myself, I can finally keep my calendar on me. Like that was like the like the limit of what I thought to do with the phone, you know. And and then when I got the phone and I realized that without any apps, like this thing's almost useless. Like it, it's it's you know it's just it, now my phone is just flatter and my calendar's on it, and I paid way too much money for it. But but what I guess what it gets lost on you in the moment is that it's got to start somewhere. And, you know, and someone's got to go first and, and there's going to be a lot of growth that's possible afterwards because now I look at my phone and 
I'm pretty sure I could launch the space shuttle with it at this point with an app I could download for 99 cents. And so, I mean, I guess it's tough when it's health, but at the same time, the message to me would be, and I'm not speaking for you, but the message to me would be like, hold tight. Like there's more coming and, and you know, it's going to come in spurts. And just because someone else figured out how to do it first, doesn't mean it's not, it's not coming. It also doesn't mean that it, it's somebody else can do it as quickly as you can, which is, I think is sort of why I brought up the, the lock screen on the follow app, because in, in a layman situation, even I had that feeling like, well, why didn't they just add it to the follow app too? Like, you know, like, but it's just not that easy. And so, I mean, it it must be hard for you, especially with what you do, because it's not like you're going to develop a game and then put it in the app store, right? Like it's got to go through this whole process. And then some of that stuff becomes, I mean, can you talk about it, what it's like to develop something that becomes obsolete before you can get it through the FDA? (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, um, you know, like you said, it's it's hard, but it's also it's also really fun to um, be able to you know get those features out. Um, you, you know, we do have this view of we, when we implement new features, we want to do a good job with them. And you know, some people have the uh, approach of let's launch a lot of features and see which ones stick. Um, we're a little bit on the other end of let's launch really meaningful features. Um, we're not going to get every single one right. I'm going to admit right away that. You know, there are things that, uh, you know, once you get it out in the field and customers start using it, you learn things about it. But um, we do uh, want to try and increase the cadence, especially particularly for app features. Our ability to launch new, uh, you know, meaningful features in those apps is important. Um, our, uh, you know, software group, most of them um, are, you know, always dying to put in the ne- next, uh, you know, feature that patients are asking for. So we, um, we're definitely going to keep Keep adding features, and so just tell everyone to be on the on the lookout because there will be things for follow. There will be things for five. There will be six. Um, we're always working on it. Yeah, um, it, it just you know you you mentioned something that Apple used to do more like when they would put out an iOS up uh, or an upgrade for their computers for the operating system for their computers. It was like we've added seven hundred new options, and I'm like, wait, what? You, you know, like like like. <laughs> Oh, okay. And then you realize as the next one comes on, they take stuff out, they take stuff out. And I guess it's a throw it against the wall idea and see what sticks, like almost letting your users beta test your ideas for you. But again, it's a medical device. It's maybe not the best way to uh, to handle that. Um, I've asked this question of a bunch of people, and I never feel like I understand the answer when it's over. Um, okay. Why does the G5... There's a, there's a feeling that my G5 transmitter is just going to shut off magically one day and not work anymore, whether it still has battery life or not. Is that true? So um, it does shut off with a uh, predetermined amount of time, and there may be a little bit of battery uh, in there, but what system does is it, it knows when that battery is not going to be uh, reliable. The difference between G5 and G4 is that the G5 transmitter itself, because of the Bluetooth radios and all the intelligence in it, all the things we had to put in there to make it work with directly with a mobile phone, um, they consume more energy. That's why the transmitter only lasts three months. Um, and so what we did was we did a lot of work to say, okay, what amount of time can we guarantee this device is going to reliably work for the patients? Um, and so that is where that time frame comes from. So 
in order to do that, what we put in there was a number of notifications about when the transmitter is going to die because we can predict it. And so we start putting out um, you know, ahead of time, uh, you know, your transmitter's got this much life left on it. Make sure you have another one ready, uh, whether you have to order it. You know, that process can take a little while. So you want to make sure you have enough heads up. Um, so there's very, if there is anything, it's very little. Um, but the reason we did that was to make a consistent uh, user experience um, and also to give people warning when their transmitter um, is uh, going to shut off versus before, which, uh, you know, they lasted longer, but they're also a little unpredictable on when they were actually going to stop working. Yeah. I, uh, one time on the G4, I got the notice and then it shut off like 30 minutes later. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, right. I was I mean, like <laughs> what kind of experience is that? You're kind of, Thank you. you. Have another one? I think if, if we're being honest and I'm generalizing here, but my concept of when I watch people talk about it is very understandable, but I think people who pay cash for them are a little more interested in why they can't get an extra week out of it. You, you, you know, like I know for me, it's a, it's more of an insurance thing. Like, so, you know, I would just prefer what you're saying. I'd rather it tell me, look, this thing's only going to work for a certain amount of more time. Hurry up and get another one here so we can make a nice seamless transition to the new transmitter. But I'm also not paying out of pocket for it. Like, so, you know, I'm, I'm paying my copay and that's it. And, and I guess right. that that is probably, honestly, that's probably the difference, except for some people who are just, you know, hardwired to want to get every ounce out of something before they get rid of it. Um, if I told you that I'm probably not going to put a more popular thing on the internet this year than a photo of Tracy Morden holding up his shirt on the late on late night with Seth Meyers the other day. Would you yeah, believe that? It, it literally is going to end up being the most popular thing I put on the internet this year. So um, Tracy's got his Dexcom sensor on his side there and, and he's going at it. Um, he's obviously he's a type two diabetic. Um, is that a, an emerging market for you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, we were commenting earlier a little bit about, um, you know, different people's uh, needs, you know, maybe a new user versus an advanced user. Mm -hmm. um, now take it into, uh, you know, type 2 diabetes. They need to know their glucose readings, but they're not necessarily uh, manage, managing insulin boluses, expensive insulin off of those readings. So it's a, and, and maybe they aren't even quite, you know, fully educated about the diabetes that they have. So, we're working on systems that will help, you know, educate people, you know, when they're new to diabetes, uh, particularly type 2, um, you know, educate them. Uh, we have a partnership with uh, uh, Google Life Sciences, who's now called Verily. Um, that, that group uh, um, up in Mountain View, they are working on new electronics for us to make the system even smaller, use, uh, disposable, um, lower cost um, for that market because the needs of that market are you know, a little different than the type one. So it's definitely an emerging market for us. Uh, some uh, people, um, you know, type two, they, they get great benefit out of our current system. We've run quite a few studies. Um, uh, but we also think that for the broader type two market, there's probably some changes we need to make that uh, we're actually, you know, kind of evolving right now. Yeah, I would imagine it has health and fitness applications too. I mean, just understanding how how the how foods different foods affect your system would be really valuable. Um, but but for I know somebody who was just diagnosed with type two, and I the first thing I said to them was, see if the endo will let you have a glucose monitor because you know if your insurance will pay for it because I think that's how you can you know you're talking about making decisions like you said without testing constantly. You know it's a, that's that's 
you know, without the without the fear of getting low because of insulin, it's still as big of a crapshoot as any as living with type one and having the food. You don't know what's really happening after you ingest the food. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so well, I guess you guys are happy that Tracy's the guy that pulls his shirt up all the time because he's, he's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. Not many not many people run around doing that. Um, okay, so here's the part where I usually say to you, "What didn't I ask you that you can't believe I didn't ask you?" Like what 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 would you be excited for us to know? Did I leave anything out? Uh, Scott, I think you did a really good job uh, kind of covering our, our product pipeline. Um, we, um, you know, one thing we didn't talk about was our clarity system. So that's our um, data visualization, you know, uh, non-real-time. Mm-hmm. You know, it aggregates many months worth of data. So we launched that um, you know, with G5, uh, actually a little bit before G5. And, uh, you know, we're excited about that. Uh, we have a, a whole team that's working on developing uh, uh, more insights, um, bringing back some of the um, classic, you know, we took some stuff out uh, when we launched it. Uh, yeah. And we had some folks asking for some of the previous functionalities in studio. So we're, we're putting that in nice. uh, for, well, mainly that was for physicians, um, but uh, some users were putting that in and got a lot of uh, work going into the next, uh, you know, iterations of that system. That being said, uh, you know we're we're open to other partners, so we know that there's a number of others that uh, download our devices. We're working with them too, so you know we just want trying to bring, to bring everything forward. Best product we. I would say the one issue I have with with your clarity is not the app; it's it's how I get it. So, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 not very it's a very first world problem, but downloading the application, setting it up is it's a clunky. A group of steps, I think. Like, I got to go to your website. I got to log in. I got to do a thing. Like, it. I don't know. It's always, it's always thrown me off a little bit. I guess, and I and I know it's a very simple. It's not much of a complaint actually. But if there's a way to stream, I guess it's a. It's I'm I'm spoiled, right? I go to the app store and I touch a thing, and then it's, yeah. and then it's over. Yeah. You, you know, I have it. Um, but having said that, I find the um, the Clarity Mobile app. I like it for like day to day, like every once in a while use. Like I like popping it on every couple of days just to see if things are going the way I imagine they're going. Because, you know, as somebody who's my, my daughter's had diabetes for almost 10 years, you know, a lot of what we do with it, it's just in our heads. You know, I, I mean, I bolused her lunch. I didn't even count the carbs. I was just like, I know it's going to take this much. Just do this much. And, you know, and, and, I, I wouldn't open up the software as much as I probably should after a while, but I love being able to open up the mobile app and just going, oh, look, it's estimating her A1C at this. I can see the, all the graphs kind of at one point together very quick. I like that about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And there'll, there'll be, you know, we'll keep adding um, functionality to it. And, uh, yeah, the download process of the app, uh, you know, on the, co- the computer will continue to improve that. One of the key things we have to do is link the, you know, the device, the user to Account, so we have to make sure that you know you're not viewing anybody else's. So there's there's a little bit of extra steps uh, doing it, but um, we are you know kind of going through usability testing on how could we make it easier and faster. Um, God, I just had something in my head, and then the dog snored, and then I couldn't. I, I just jumped right out of my head. Um, I, all I could think was what? Oh, in the future, like um, I know you guys have partnerships with like like this episode of the podcast is it's sponsored by Omnipod. So like, I know you have like a, like a, some sort of a partnership with Omnipod. When, when people hear that you have partnerships with anybody, the first question they think is, can I get it down to one device? 
or can I, am I ever going to be able to just run the whole thing off my phone? I know that I'm not asking you to speak for Omnipod or, or other pump companies or something like that, but, but it is such a valuable question for people forward looking. Like, is there going to be a time where I can dose myself? Like, is it all going to just be combined one day? You know, te- technology-wise, I think uh, it's absolutely possible, um, and, I, and I know that there are a number of groups, teams, companies working on that. Um, you know, we clearly think that integrating with mobile um, is the right uh, thing for patients, right, uh, to make that convenience, have everything on one one device. Um, so I, 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 there will be a day, I do believe, that where insulin uh, information and uh, bolusing and things are done from phones. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, making sure those systems are safe, getting them approved. Um, you know, our partnerships right now, the most important for those, uh, for the pump partners, is to make sure that our we reliably get glucose information from sensors to those pump systems. So we're working on um, next generation integrated systems, uh, Tandem, Animus, and... Do you think... I'm sorry, you cut out for a second after you said Animus. Uh, Animus, Tandem, and Insulate, we're working on... the. Uh, products with all of them uh, advanced um, integrated. Well, I think everyone should be excited because you guys obviously have the Midas touch with the FDA. I would want to be involved with you if I was an insulin pump company because I would think I'd learn something from you about how to how to navigate the waters, you know, quicker. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think that everyone obviously it's it's kind of I think it's got to be obvious at this point that most insulin pump companies have got to be thinking about developing their own algorithms for their own artificial pancreases. And obviously Dexcom is, is I'm assuming, a, a very large part about how they're going to make that happen. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, do, you, do you agree with some of the, the dates you hear about, you know, there's going to be artificial pancreas in the world by 2018? Do you, I mean, I, this is just, I, it's a conjecture question, I guess. But does that seem unreasonable to you when you hear that? I, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable. I think it's a it's a huge challenge, right? Uh, you know, technology technology exists, but putting it all together, doing the right studies, you know, building a company around it that can actually support, you know, uh, uh, you know, support customers. It takes a lot to support uh, a customer. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think it's possible, uh, but it is a, a, a huge challenge. Uh, it's aggressive. But- is part of the problem that, and this sounds ridiculous because it seems counterintuitive, but the rest of it is that when you make something, when you, you know, I'm thinking of like some stupid thing I bought at the store, but when I buy like a little scrub daddy thing that I saw on Shark Tank, everyone can use that. So if I make that and it works, there's billions of people I could sell it to. So I can take bigger risks and financially, but there's only a finite amount of people who have diabetes and even less of them um, adopt technology. And is that part of it? I mean, if there was more unlimited cash flow, I guess you could push harder, right? You could put an infrastructure together quicker if you were trying to make it an artificial pancreas company. But but when you know there's only so many people you can sell to, like you still have to have an eye on business. You can't, you're not helping anybody if you go out of business trying to do the right thing. Yeah, you're definitely, if, you, if the product never makes it to market, no, it doesn't really help anybody. Um, you know, it you're right. It's it's uh, it's an important market, but you know it's not a huge market. But I I, I think there's for uh, you know there's definitely room for artificial pancreas uh, systems. I you know, I believe that for uh, patients who um, you know, want that experience, it it'll be a wonderful thing. Um, it's just going to be a challenge to put all the pieces together and get get them approved and and you know get it out to customers. But uh, I I definitely think it's possible, and I definitely think it's going to happen. 
not a matter of when. But Jake, so I've taken a lot of your time. I want to ask you one more question before I let you go, though. And this is t- totally personal from, from my vantage point. So I have an Apple Watch. I want to love it with my Dexcom, but I think because of limitations about how the Apple Watch works, it frustrates me always at the worst times. Like, you know, it's always when I'm in the car and I want to just raise my wrist and see what my daughter's blood sugar is and I'm driving that I now realize I'm in more danger because I'm staring intently at the watch, imagining that the number is going to pop up soon and then it never does. Um, and, And I know that that's functionality of the watch and the operating system in the phone. I know it's not your fault because... Um, as it, by way of an example, I also find myself holding up my watch, hoping to see the score of the Phillies game that never pops up too. <laughs> so, so, but, but when you guys, I know you have conversations, like I know you've been over there, you know what I mean? Like, like, is it coming or is this just what it always is going to be? No, no, Apple, um, Apple's always integrating their systems, right? They, they released a new iOS for the watch. Um, you know, they, I think just like with any product, when you launch it, you learn a lot. When they launched their first iPhone, I think they learned a lot from that. Uh, launching the watch was a big learning for them. Um, and so, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're we test the watches quite extensively with our apps on them. Um, yeah, sometimes you know things don't work exactly the way you want them to, but uh, I'd expect that Apple um, will continue to improve the user experience on those. That's kind of what they're known for. Uh, they will they will continue to make it better. Yeah, there is there are times when this is one of them where I'm like I'm here too early. Like my expectations outweigh my like 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 you know the reasonable nature of the situation. Uh, I like to ask this of everybody. Uh, Dexcom, do you keep your business cards in a share cradle? <laughs> there's a whole room I of do. them. You, you must right because there's a whole I room do. of them somewhere. <laughs> right? You, there's a like I am. You know the end of the Indiana Jones movie when they go to that. Uh, that that giant warehouse where all the relics are, or you guys have a warehouse full of share cradles. <laughs> you know what? And we're we're perfectly fine with that. But yeah, they do make good business card holders, uh, and and I do I have uh, my business cards in one of those. I also have even have some of the older prototypes of share that no one else saw. But uh, we've got some of those that are holding business cards as well. Well, let me tell you because I know you must have put a lot of work in. It was the most exciting three weeks of my life having that thing. <laughs> <laughs> It really did change my life, honestly. I mean, obviously, I didn't get to live with it very long. But, you know, I, I mean, you I'm assuming you've heard it from a million people. But just the process of not having to get out of bed and mm-hmm. and walk across the house is uh, life-altering for me. You know, It was, it was exciting for us, too. And uh, we, we knew the chair, the cradle was a, a short-term thing. But uh, it, uh, it was good to get out as fast as we could why don't you just take them up the interstate into canada and leave them up there for canadians i'm sure they would love them <laughs> you just you know what i mean like you, you put them on twitter our truck broke down in saskatchewan or something like that right right and then you just leave it there with the door open and all there the you know. uh, uh, listen poor canadians I, I have to tell you they get they get not just with dexcom obviously with all this technology like it's they're always so far behind and and they really do feel it, and I feel for them, actually, you know, and you'd be surprised how often I reach out into the community and ask questions, and that's when you recognize how many Canadians are actually there paying attention and, and are all pretty much saying the same thing, like, please, can I have it? Yeah, they want the same thing as everybody else. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. All right, I know I'm forgetting something. I will at some point get yelled at by other people, um, but I feel pretty happy about our conversation, so I think, like, we're done, and you actually got to go do a real work, right? Yeah, 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 it's been a pleasure, Scott. I think uh, covered it all. Uh, Jake, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Thanks, Scott. 
there you have it, an update on what's going on at Dexcom, straight from the Senior Vice President of Research and Development. Hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, let's just say this, go right to iTunes, leave a review, leave a rating, be very positive, be like, oh my god, this is amazing! Um, what else? Seriously, if you rate and review the, the show on iTunes, it helps the show a lot. Subscribing is a huge thing. Whatever, wherever you're listening, if it's in iTunes or if it's in uh, you know some sort of a podcast app, please press subscribe. Uh, thank you so much to Insulate for sponsoring the Juice Box podcast. Yay, Insulate. Uh, MyOmnipod.com forward slash demo or the links in your show notes to try the demo pod. What else? What else? Think of something else to say. I think we have a giveaway next week. I think it's a book. I'm not sure. All right, guys. I hope you love this one. I certainly love bringing it to you. See you next time. <laughs>